You're listening to Red Nation Online. Saturday, June 4th. It's just Steve Perry and myself, Ian Clark, and we are back from what is easily the most boring match of the season, if not ever, at BMO Field. As Toronto FC draw the lowly sporting Kansas City nil-nil. You know it's a boring night when the loudest cheer is when a squirrel runs into the net. There's not much to analyze in this one, but somehow we managed to go off for 40 minutes. All coming up on Eastside Stand Up. Build up some enthusiasm to get this guy started off and say, uh, here we are, back from BMO Field. Back and, from the uh, Battle of the Basement. Yeah, <laughs> well said. Battle of the Basement, and like a true Battle of the Basement, it ended in a nil-nil draw. So nothing has changed, and... Uh, it's perspective. I think it's perspective because we played the last place team at home, and we lost, or we came out with a draw, and we just barely came out with a draw. I mean, we were really held to the ropes at the end. I, I, the first half was a different game, but the, certainly we were in the game for the first half, and we felt like we owned it. But the second half, it was a different game. Anyway, there, before we get ahead of ourselves about like the analysis of the game and all this stuff, there's some history going into this game. Sparky, you were telling me last week, last year, that playing Kansas City at home was a turning point, and um, I sort of remember it, but I, I need you to go over it again. Yeah, what, what happened? Last well, it's year? it's I I kind of you know checked calendar and started thinking about this fixture last year, and it almost falls on the exact same day, if I'm not mistaken. I feel like it would have been early June 2010, and um, you know coming into that season, you know Toronto got off to a terrible start in 2010 under Precky, uh, you know short on bodies, early results were were brutal. Um, and then through May, you know, things sort of started to, you know, the team sort of started to find their feet, started to get it together, started to put together a, a solid string of results. And then it was this fixture against Kansas City that uh, there was the first half, if I remember correctly, first half red card to Garcia and then a second half red card to Kansas City. And just there was just no air left in the tires after that. It just the game just went so flat, finished nil nil. The World Cup started. And uh, Toronto just could never get their feet again. They could just never get that momentum that they built up through May. And then you're looking this year, and it's it's almost a re- reversal where the season started off poor in, in the same ways. But, you know, last year, you know, Precky was able to implement a system and start to grind up these results. Vinter has actually gotten worse. Yeah, he's got a worse record. I was thinking, uh, after you said this to us, uh, you were talking about this to me earlier in the week, and I was thinking... Yeah, the, we've already sort of declared the wheels have fallen off this wagon a lot earlier than last yeah, year. Yeah, we could see the signs were showing. Like, you know, that's we were we were seeing signs that um, nothing has quite come together yet. And then, of course, last weekend and this weekend, sort of, are two you know massive red flags the, the, that nothing the, the, has really been built. At although this point. this weekend, I mean, uh, after tonight's game, I don't think people would be so convinced because um, because you know, we got a result. We got a point. We didn't lose. Yeah. And, uh, but, but there's more to this than that. There's, and what I'm talking about is there's some perspective to this. So 
Kansas City, up until this point, has not played. I think they've played one home game or not. They played none. So they the first ten games, games. This is. I think this is their tenth game. Now. It so, is their tenth game. So, so they can almost be excused for being in last place in some ways, right? Yes. Because they haven't ever had home field advantage up to this point, and there's the, the reason why is because their stadium is being built. Yes. So they they have a new stadium being built, and they they opted out on you know playing in their previous facility. They said, you know, what, we're just going to start the season on the road, and, and until it's done early June. Which is a tough thing to do for any team yes. to play on the road. So they've been every game's been on the road so far, and I guess the results show for it, right? Yes, but interestingly enough, they've played. Well, before this, even now, it's actually a nil-nil no, no, draw. The same thing. Toronto's played fourteen games. Kansas City's played ten. We've only scored one more goal than them in these four extra games that we've had. That's pretty brutal. So that tells you something, actually. You know, they have four games in hand. They have four games in hand, and they've been able to score almost as many goals as us, and on the road yeah which is even harder right so totally um and that's and the truth is i mean this kansas city team a lot of people actually picked them to finish in the top three in our division um probably not you know they might be thinking they're off now but when they get down the stretch kansas city's actually in the last three or four years done really good down that stretch of the season they're like a good example of you know there's sort of that didn't we um, play them last year at home one of the last games where they scored a late minute goal and Went ahead. Uh, that might have been San Jose. No, no, I remember uh, watching this Kansas City game. And well, unless we played them Adrian twice. Adrian Kahn made a mistake heading the ball back, and uh, the uh, Kansas City player poached a goal from us at the like dying minutes of the game. I don't recall off the top we, of my head. And we lost. I remember this totally clearly. Really? Yeah, uh, near the end. Kansas City, I, they didn't look great, but they totally beat us at home. Yeah, but they're, I mean, the last couple of years, they've been you know slow out of the gate, and they've been able to pour it on in the last month or two, and that's all you have to do really in MLS is pour it on the last month or two, get that last playoff spot, and your chance is as good as anyone. Um, but this year, their side is is pretty decent. They got Omar Bravo, who's played at Deportivo. Um, he's Mexican. I'm pretty sure he's an international as well. Um, has lots of experience. And then they have uh, Kai Camara, who's on international duty for this game. Um, and just a solid core. Davey Arnaud, who's uh, played for the States now and then, is a, is a solid MLS player. Um, Chance Myers was a former first round, first overall draft pick. And um and our striker. Yes. Who's striker? Their striker, our striker. Their striker. Their striker. That's right. Kansas City and the United States striker, Teal Bunbury. A lot of history there as well. And uh quite a yeah, and for people, a game that was quite boring. People actually knew the history uh in the stadium, you yeah. know. Um that he got booed quite a lot uh, every time he touched the ball really. Mm-hmm. And he had an impact on the game, you know. He put us under a bunch of pressure. Well, he's he he's a, he's right a physical, pr- like he's big. Yeah. He's a big kid, and you can tell he's athletic and quick. Didn't get a lot of space to work, which is where I think he he's really good. He can be really good one v one. He took uh, well. There was tight marking with uh, between Atacora and Harden. They kind of played him off between the two of them. But uh, yeah, they, they, I mean, I think they did a well, a good job. And I think at one point he got into like, a bit of a fisticuffs with Atacora. Yeah. Yeah, which is good because Atacora plays for Canada. I, it's especially good because uh, Atacora finally got a game. Yeah, there's another there's another story there that's that's part of this this fixture is that finally we saw and he looked great out there. I he, think he, he didn't he, look. And this is the crazy thing is like all this this whatever I don't know what the hell Victor's talking. This about. thing surrounding him that he's it's like not good enough or whatever. He looked perfectly. He looked perfectly capable and perfectly comfortable. And I was totally there. worried because he hadn't. He hasn't. 
you know, he hadn't been playing, so he doesn't have game fitness. I mean, there's, you know, there's a difference between practicing and playing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if you've been out for so long, you kind of get nervous going back to the game. He didn't, he didn't have any nerves going into this game. He fucking owned that mid, you know, that mid, mid fullback position, uh, that sweeper position that he plays. He uh, did so well. And even, uh, was almost on the uh, back end of a cross from far out um, that would have put us ahead at the second half of the game. He he played both offense and defense, and he did incredible. And then he got injured at the 89th minute, and I almost think it was like um, kind of a fuck you back to Vinter, not coming <laughs> back on the pitch. I just felt like yeah, uh, maybe, you know, because he, he had a stellar game, and then he got hurt. And I'm worried that – I hope it's just a fake injury. I really do. You hope it's a fake injury. Well, no, I do. I hope it's just like an ego injury or something because I just think that um, but it's also part, kind of part, thing, of, part of the story that's going but, into this game is that Adrian Kahn is now injured. Uh, he's got an AL, ACL, ACL or injury. Or ACL or something like that. And that means it's an, a ligament which takes at least uh, eight weeks to repair. He's not, Even more so, like I think it's, I think it's six months well, that, on an ACL. It might be because you have to do physio after that. He's not going to be – I don't think he's going to be back in this season. No, and some people – like sometimes that injury is – if, at at, if you're in your career 30s, ending. you're not coming back. Like you're severely hampered, you know. It's, yeah. If you're not a young kid anymore, then it's going to be really tough to come back. So, so that's the kind of thing, though, if you think about it too. That if, Adrian if Ad- Kahn goes out. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, you're going to say if Adekor is injured. I mean that's just something where it's like, well, you know – he, he might have played in some reserve games, but if he's just, if he's not getting in game fitness and then you thrust him into a starting role, he's not gonna. Yeah, I'm think I'm, I'm just trying he, to. No, say but he's that, not gonna be ready for yeah. uh, the the physicalness of a game. You're right. No, he's not gonna be ready for. He's and not it's gonna absurd be that fit. you know, given the depth in quotes, I'm doing air quotes here of of our back line that he hasn't had more time on the pitch. And uh, that might be something that could, if, if he is injured, that would bite Vinder in the ass. That it's just like, you know what? I don't know why you kept putting Harden out there. I don't care how good he looks in practice. Or even Decoy Williams. Yeah, any anyone guys. anyone can see, regardless of, I mean, I think any defender, it, it calls any, the, it calls, any defender on Toronto FC probably looks good defending against our own team. Let's be, let's be straight, right? Yeah, yeah. So, sure, Ty Harden looks okay in practice, but, you know, we're the worst team in the league. So yeah. out there against good teams, that's another story. So, and I think Harden looked half decent without Adekora behind him. I mm-hmm. really felt, and I saw Adekora backing up all kinds of players. Like you know, when Eckersley got himself in a corner, uh, yeah, who was there to help him out? Yeah, Adekora came there. over. He's for such support. a team player. I think he's just a great player. Um, just to me, it calls into question if the coach is using this excuse of uh, about him not being the best player on the pitch. And he clearly is the best player on the pitch, or his form is bad, or he's not. At least on the back line, it just makes me think. I don't think his his perspective or his judgment can be trusted. And this is something that we were talking about in the state in the stands last week. Is that um, I think he's too caught up in um, the contract negotiations for a coach, uh, and I think he's been given part partially this role, or maybe it's because of the proximity of the coaching staff that he because he's of the guys he's brought in with them. But he takes it too personally, and and I think these contract negotiations are affecting who he picks for the team because he's not picking the best team, and I think it's a huge mistake. And I think maybe that's part of the the changes that MLSE has made in terms of the coaching staff or the coach 
and he's got more responsibilities and he's more involved in that contract negotiation and he shouldn't be. Right. And there's a reason why other other coaches aren't involved in it. And you just need to have a guy who's got distance so that he can pick the best team for the game. And as a result, we're suffering for it. Uh, not just us; the players are suffering for it, but especially the fans because we have to put up with like seeing some people who shouldn't be on the pitch. Mm-hmm. One yeah, of those pe- one of those people should should be uh, Borman. Oh, Borman! I was going to say Urasowski. No, no, Borman definitely shouldn't be on the pitch. I don't. Even know though you know, just before we completely write him off, I mean, he did, if I'm not mistaken, serve that ball that Daniel Henry. A superb header yes. for far post. That was like, whoa! We almost Look, nipped, we almost nipped that one in the very. They all have second. moments of of greatness, fleeting greatness. This, just this is my measurement of, or this is my scale to determine if these players are actually good or not good. And I think this is this is a good qualifier: is either in a game or in a season. So in a season, can you can can you count on one game either how many good games they've had or bad games they've had? So, for example, like uh, Jacob Peterson, I can count on one hand, or, to- or Dan Garden, I can count on one game or one hand how many good games he's had, while Stephen Fry, I can count on one hand how many bad games he's had. And to me, that should be the qualifier of these guys got to go and these guys should stay. And, and that's all see, there is to it. And, and same thing see, during a game. You know what I mean? Like, who but people good- see different things through the game. And the thing is, I play fullback in my team, and I look at the fullbacks. I'm constantly watching them because that's – who I'm trying to learn from. And to me, I saw Borman making some crucial mistakes on defense, uh, just not being close enough to the players that he's supposed to be covering, letting the balls get through, letting the crosses get through time and time again. He had a great run in the second half where he had beaten four players. Oh, yeah, yeah, he cut through. And then he delivers the most awful shot on net. And I just like, what was the point? Like, I mean, I know what the point was, but... It just kind of like it, it just reestablishes that he just doesn't have the skill. Yeah. To me, and I, I just thought, fuck, like, why, why is he on this pitch? Yeah. Urzowski is another. Um, I, you know, he looks great with when he's touching the ball and stuff like that. But when the ball comes to him, it never goes anywhere after after it goes to him. Like, it doesn't get delivered to another player. It doesn't make a leading pass to somebody. It just goes into this black hole of nothingness and i'm just like why is he on the pitch yeah and it's that's another guy where it's like um you know against edmonton looked great against colorado looked amazing and then it's just like you know drops off where where it's like well what what about from you know that's again i can count on one hand these great plays and these great games and it's like you have to be kind of harsh and and sort of like face reality sometimes when you're talking about these players that's like oh yeah they you know, Javier Martinez scored two goals against Portland. Like, well, Portland did was missing a lot of players, and they sucked then, and he hasn't really done anything since. And tonight didn't really look that great. Like, he had a couple moments, but overall, man, he's just – he looks out of sorts. I don't agree with you on that one. Really? But um, – Oh, yeah. Yeah, there'll be – there's a couple points in the game where it looked like people were having uh, – No, no, but I'm not just – I'm not – I'm not tainted from just having to defend him in the crowd because I was defending him in the crowd. Um, I, I think that uh, he, de- I, I just think that he's so far out there that sometimes he doesn't have support, and mm-hmm. I think he just gets hung out a little bit too much. Uh, I don't think he's incredibly great, but I see him. I see chemistry be him, between him and Santos. I think Santos is kind of like, I wonder what he's out doing out on the pitch. I mean, he's got a great shot, but like, man, 
is the guy even interested in playing? Yeah. Most times I don't think so. You know, uh, other other things on this team, I think Yao Plata is a shining star on this team. I mean, he continues to have so much heart and go at uh, go straight into defense and then work the ball around. He's got so much skill. It's, I, it's a pleasure to watch yeah. him play. He's hungry. You know what I mean? Like he's a young guy who's clearly – Eckersley you know, is somebody who I wrote off in the, at the beginning. Yeah, right off the bat. I thought he had a great game today. Yeah. I loved watching him play. He totally held onto the ball. He was trying to make things happen. Um, just go, like uh, and Nathan Sturgis, I don't think he had such a great game, but, you know, he didn't do too badly on he, – he was replacing Peterson on the on the kicks, on the set pieces. Yeah. Um, he kicked the ball exactly where it was supposed to go. So I watched – A couple the, of times. I saw, I saw, yeah, <laughs> it happened every time. So even the free kicks from outside, he kicked it, you know, just far enough outside the goalkeeper's reach, but close enough to make de- like to if there was somebody on the end of it, yeah, that's where you'd want the ball to be. Too bad the Toronto players aren't there. Like the none of the forwards are there, or none of the midfielders are there. Like yeah. I just don't see. We don't <laughs> we don't know where we're supposed to be. Nathan Sturgis to me felt like academically he knew exactly where to deliver the ball, and I think he's a better place kicker than Peterson. And so to me watching today's game, I got something I got something out of seeing Nathan Sturgis play. Mm. Uh, All right then. So what do you think about Tony Chani? And there's a player who, you know, came in with you know, on paper looked like, oh, you know, like uh, I think he was his first or second overall pick, a lot of hype, kinda looked a little bit timid and meek in the first four or five games. And I've thought And even last week Tim called him a pussy, right? Yeah, but, I, I, but I feel like for the last since you know, even with that Tim's opinion aside, I thought the last four or five games, he's actually done a lot. He's been a little more physical, he's gotten his nose a little more dirty, he's kind of been more in the mix. His results haven't always been there, but for me at least if you're in it, you know, and you're and you're and he's, you know, getting himself in in the battle in the moment, fighting for the ball, then, you know, other stuff will come eventually. Just don't go out there kind of, like, shying away from challenges. And... I, I don't think Tim uh, would was painting Dachani with, like, a total awful brush. I mean, he was just frustrated with him not taking the kick from far out and maybe thinking he didn't have the self-confidence to do it. And we're just trying to motivate him to take the shot because he can, he's got a kick, mm-hmm. uh, especially if he's in the midfield. And today, I think he um, did some great things with ball control. And, um, you know, he didn't give up the ball. He didn't panic on the ball. We saw an awful lot of long ball today. Yeah, uh, it was weird. It was uh, for a team that's supposed to be playing possession ball. They were just kicking it up. And, you know, the long ball is always, a, a, I was saying to you, it's always a gamble. It's like a 50-50 chance of whether you're going to get it in the end. Uh, I mean, you're kicking it generally in some in the direction of one of your players, but generally the, their players are there marking our players. So it's always a 50-50 thing. The long ball is, is, is like, you know, it's a gambler. It's a gamble play. It's usually done out of desperation, and there's lots of it. I didn't see any of that coming from Tachani. Tachani held yes. onto the ball, and he would make a play, and he would make a smart play. Uh, and he would usually beat a few players on the way. So, you know, that also works in your favor psych- psychologically because, you know, the team that you, the player that you're beating is usually the player that you're covering and is, you know, starting to feel crappy about himself not being able to get the ball off you. And he was beating lots of players today. Uh, Tachani looked great out there. I yeah. think, you know, he's another. Sh- I, I do think that he had a rough patch uh, with the transition, but I think he's really come into his own. Well, and he's a guy too at 21. Where it's like, for me, 
like that those you know these kind of mixed bag outings that he has for me it's forgivable because it's all part of the learn you know gaining the experience he needs to get yeah in order to become you know a solid he's midfielder. Re- he's re- he's ter- certainly redeemed himself in my books and i think he's a yeah i like him future. like you know i'm i'm willing to forgive the ter- odd turnover here and there and you know like a you know an outing like today which is like had its good moments and had its bad moments if he's if he's fighting for the ball he's winning balls um, you know, he's always battling in the midfield, dispossessing stuff like that. Then it's like, you know what? If he turns the ball over here and there, it's like again under the premise of he's just he's learning, he's gaining experience, and it, it works for me. Um, Gargan was a late substitution in the game. Mm-hmm. He's a favorite of mine. Strange, and it, not should, a favorite of yours. No, and but we should say, don't you think it was odd that he came on a late substitution at right back and not left back? He'd been playing left back for the last couple of weeks. You know, we have our reviews of Borman's performance and of Eckersley, and I thought it was a bit strange that Eckersley, unless, unless there was something, maybe it was because of the yellow card or what, and maybe Eckersley was getting a little too heated in his battles with, I think he was going up against um, Omar Bravo, that uh, maybe Winter had just seen enough and thought it was best to get him out of there. Instead of get him. But he went straight out. He went straight out of the tunnel. He didn't go sit on the bench. And um, again, I just. Sort of that raised a little bit of a red flag when I saw that. Yeah, he was pissed. Um, and I do think that, you know, I don't think, I mean, I think Gargan going in on the right side was probably that he doesn't have anyone left on the on the back line. I didn't want to go with Decoy Williams, probably not thinking that he's the best, in, you know, to go in the position. So he put Gargan in. And I think, um, uh, yeah, I thought, you know, Gargan should have replaced Borman <coughs> a lot earlier. But... Uh, yeah, who knows what's going to happen with Eckersley in that. Well, it's the kind of thing, too. It's like if you switch Borman out. Eckersley, Eckersley was having a great – I think it was a mistake, you know, actually. The more I think about it, I think it was a mistake to take Eckersley out. Even though he he was, like, hot-headed, the guy was adding some kind of fire to that, that right side. And, uh, you know, they needed it. I, I think uh, uh, to, to, to substitute out enthusiasm and, and, like, spirit and fight is probably a mistake. And – one thing I'll say in Urizowski's favor about spirit and fight was that he had it in him. He, yeah. He laid into, uh, I think it was Myers on the, uh, on the Kansas City side. Mm-hmm. It looked like almost like a, like a body check or something. Uh, they, it was just really a battle that, you know, they both went in and never backed off and um, almost looked like there was going to be a fight breakout in that, in, yeah. that, in that, the end of that altercation. I think, um, but, you know, when that kind of stuff happens, it's motivating for the team, right, to see a guy like that. And same with Atacora. Atacora um got in shoved one of the Kansas City players who was fucking around with the ball the, the, the ball the play had been called and uh the Kansas City player continued to hold the ball while we were try- it was our kick and uh Adekora walked up to him and shoved him in the face pushed him over mm-hmm. and grabbed the ball and took it and then he got you know he got warned by the ref but like really it's one of those moments where it's just like yeah this guy's sticking up for us you know yeah and you see, aside, and aside you, from a guy who's been on the you know side sideline on the bench and had some hard injustices done to him from this coach, the guy's still fighting for our team. Yeah, and you know situations it like that. Volumes to me in, well, in terms does. of character. It, yeah, of course it does. And it's like we've talked about this, and you're like, and through all these moments of like you know trying to get this team on track, trying to get this team to have a, some fire in their belly, and you kind of like, who's our captain? Yeah, the guy who's, who doesn't care. Who's the leader on this pitch? Like, who's who's the guy that's supposed to have all these characteristics? Yeah, right. The guy who checks out like for ninety minutes of the, for eighty five minutes of the game. You know, shows up to take a shot on goal, but you kind of don't really see him up. He until doesn't that point. even show up in the huddle. You know how they have the pregame huddle? Yeah. 
I noticed uh, he was the last one to get in there. They the team had been talking on the pitch for like that happened last week and it happened again tonight. He just he shows up for like the last thirty seconds to get his hand in there and then you know get out there. He's not a leader. No, it's again like it's you're not trying to be harsh and you're just trying to you know we just try to point these things out and there's you know there's some glaring red flags of like bizarre decisions that Vinter has made in these first three months sort of of his tenure and that was that was one of them like as soon as he made it too like we said it we're like Mike on Santos I just don't think so you know it's something about that yeah just doesn't seem right but um but maybe they thought he was like the scoring leader gonna be a scoring leader or something like that oof. I don't know what the hell that was the decision in that and maybe that should be the question what do you think the decision was to make Mike on Santos the the captain I'd like also like to pose another question that I'd like to find out about. Uh, this is something not, that we haven't talked about, but uh, I was talking to some folks that sit in our section. Dean actually was telling me, you know, what do what do you think they base the attendance on? Because it always seems to be inaccurate. I mean, they always seem to give out a number that totally doesn't reflect the number of people sitting in the stands. So I'm I'm curious to you know, does anyone out there know um, what they base the attendance that they they announce over the loudspeaker on is it like you think it's on tickets sold or is those when they scan you know they scan your ticket but it doesn't but it seems to say attendance and that would suggest to me that um it would be people in the stadium and i think it's dishonest if you're basing it on ticket sales but that's just my opinion oh right i see what you're saying yeah because i because they're trying to get a bigger was, number. They're trying to get a bigger number than trying to make it look like, you know, it's there was, all. There was 19,800 and whatever. When there was game, really only 17 or 16 yeah. stands, right? Yeah, it's weird. But I think we should get it. We got to segue into the the one, you know, we've kind of gone through the game, but there was one positive moment in the 90 minutes that were the, you know, I, two hours. I, I think stadium. so. And it, it was a, a total break from the product placement to barrage that we get at halftime. With like the you know the the sort of uh, configure the the reconfigured game show games that they do with like the meal or no meal the pizza thing and uh, dress, there, there was actually two there was because queer, what do they call it? the one where they had they dressed up the bad guy in the stands and make him look like a Toronto FC fan Jack Asher yeah. used to do that yeah so there was two actually moments they brought out this choir from the Montessori school yeah and they sang some song and that was kind of cool there was young kids yeah. getting into it um, but the real Shining moment was the squirrel that entered the pitch uh, <laughs> with four minutes left to go in the uh, half the halftime show or whatever, because they didn't have anything at the last five minutes, and so some squirrel like this just jumps into the it field was straight out like a it was like a streaker like and he's completely in the, in the middle of the pitch. That's so what it reminded me. Not of. along the sideline. Like this squirrel is in the middle, and all of a sudden everyone starts kind of like cheering, roaring, and cheering. Like what's going on? And then you see this squirrel running down the middle, and he's heading for goal. And you're like, oh, my God. He's going to score. going to score. The squirrel's going to score. And the squirrel's getting closer to the net, and then he goes in. And the whole stadium goes crazy. Everyone <laughs> starts cheering for the squirrel that scores. And then they tried to corner the squirrel, and everyone was upset. But uh, eventually, eventually the squirrel got free. And... And we continue to follow him in the stands. Yeah, he was running around the the like around the beer garden. And Dean had like his great suggestion that we should actually let different wildlife loose <laughs> at halftime instead of these stupid games that we have to watch. You know, and one of them, you know, being a raccoon, a raccoon sort of being in the news this week with oh uh, yeah, 
with uh, that guy who uh, tried to kill a family of raccoons. Might be nice to get behind the raccoon or maybe a beaver or I don't know. Sure. Um, we got the hawk up there that oh, yeah, seems we, disinterested. Yeah. We need some new wildlife <laughs> we're out there. saying, too, the, <laughs> the seagulls are swirling around BMO Field these days. Yeah. They're I was just, worried I was going to get unoppo- shit on. They seem unopposed. Yeah, and the I don't know. I mean, Bitchy must be, you know, it's, he's like the Mike Santos of hawks. You know, he kind of just so. like <laughs> he seems bored and disinterested in doing his job. He's taking the lead from our captain. All the seagulls are completely disrespecting Bitchy. Yeah. You know, they're flying well below him. You yeah. know, and everyone knows you don't fly below a predator. Yeah. You just don't do that. And they just don't seem to care. Even the squirrel. The squirrel <laughs> had no issue running across that field. Sure. I mean, Bitchy should be all over that. That should have been his dinner. Maybe Bitchy's on too tight of a leash. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Holy Maybe cow. that's a metaphor, right? Man. Yeah, probably. Yeah. True say. Um, so this team's looking pretty awful. And um, <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, I think this team's pretty awful. And I'm sorry that people uh, write us and complain that we don't we don't see all the positive sides. I think we've seen some positive sides. I mean, we talked well, we about have, some positive sure. but But, you know, I'm not... I don't, I don't know how you we're came not, after we're last not, two weeks. We're not, I don't think we're too interested. I, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm speaking for you or not. I, I've, if Let me know if I'm out of place here. But, I don't, you know, really we're just trying to give an honest depiction of how we've seen it, right? Yes. And um, it looks like we are scarce for players. So we want to pose the question uh, to you listening to the podcast. Um, who do you think should be who – who do you think the DP should be, the next DP should be? Yeah, we have two more slots. So – we're assuming that they're going to sign somebody. That they're going to bring in hopefully someone not along the lines of me stuff, but some talent. They're, they're going to spend some money, hopefully, on someone who can, wants to play. You know, Tim, Tim will, Tim will, if he was here, would say there's no way in hell they're going to spend the money with the state of the club, blah blah blah. But and he's right, but but let's let's assume that they do the right thing for a change. Yes, they got it. Well, they got to be. Who do you think it should be? So we're going to pose that. Uh, and we want to hear what your thoughts are. Yeah. I want to hear any suggestions on players people think we should sign. Yeah. Like, realistically. You know, I would be, I would hope. Even that, not realistically. I want you to dream with this question. Give us, like, uh, well, sometimes, would be great. sometimes being re- realistic with Toronto C is a bit of a dream, Steve. So That's true. You know, so I'm, I am <laughs> I, I am throwing that out there. You know, like, I would. Who do you think I, we should I sign? I can't think of really outside of. I don't want to answer this question. I just want D. to know. Rosario, and I think there is, you know, there is context around him coming to Toronto C. Has there ever been sort of like a player within the league that has come to Toronto that's been sort of like, whoa, like this has been a, a key move for us to like build this side around? I got to tell you, almost every time they sign somebody and I get, I get an earful of the hype machine – I feel like they made the right decision until I see them walk on the pitch. Yeah. You know, um, Ali Gerba. Yeah, I was excited yeah. when he came. Yeah. And then, you know, he just let us down. Even Mista, when I heard about Mista signing, I was, like, excited. And then, you know, he continued to deliver, hat, like, you know, just disinterested, like, uh, attempts on the pitch, right? I just, yeah. you know, every time we sign somebody, I hear too much of that hype machine. And then don't get perspective, and I'm just too caught up in it. And I go bright, and it's funny because I go around the office bragging about how we got signed this great new player, and then it's just like it's like mud on my face. I just feel like I have to eat crow afterwards. It's just awful. 
I've always been let down. No, but I mean, only De Rosario has been the only one who's actually lived up to the hype. Yeah, it's true. It's true, and that's what I'm trying to like. I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to picture someone that that Toronto would sign that would sort of like genuinely within the league. Too. And that's I've heard even, lots of names thrown around over the years. Like you know, I, at one point I heard Del Piero was coming here. They still talk about Del Piero coming here. They still <laughs> do. <laughs> it's like, bring him. He would know. be great here. Yeah, but he's not coming here, man. I know, of course not. <laughs> That's a, this is the thing too. Is like, who are they? In? Hey, you see, Van, I think Van Nistelrooy signed with Malaga in Spain. No way. So I think that rumor is dead, dead. as a doornail. Yeah. So he's not. Uh, I don't think he's coming here. And that was my, that was the one, the only like bizarre link. It's like, well, he's Dutch. Our coach <laughs> is Dutch. He yeah. must come play, and he's old. Yeah. And he's and he's a perfect DP. He must be coming here. The only thing is, is that, you know, uh, Middle Eastern bazillionaires have a little more money than, <laughs> are willing to throw around money more so than uh, MLSE. So I guess yeah. we, we lose out that. In a that teacher's case. pension fund. Yeah. yeah. So surprise, um, surprise. Yeah, but that is. I think that's we've kind of. Uh, did we talk about Bunbury? We kind of did. Yeah, we did. We well, we didn't lay it out as thickly as we did. Please, we, let's talk about that because every time he touched the ball tonight, he got booed. Yeah, of course he did. Well, first off, you should. You should send your answers to the DP into info have, and well there's info two. At Red there's info at Red Nation online or have your say at Red Nation Red Nation online. Okay, now back to and we got we want to hear we want to hear some like legitimate names on on either a designated player that makes sense or even within the league. So we're saying you can't say Van Nistelrooy or Van Nistelrooy, I think, or Del Piero. Don't yeah. even bother. I want to hear like something creative, man. I don't want to hear these same old things. Someone who's like actually. Thought up, uh, you know, a, a clever signing. That's not the usual big name European guys. And anyone who's Canadian or who's from Toronto should know better not to come here. No, they won't. <laughs> At this point, because they all play on Team Canada, right? They, they've already shitty, heard all the stories. Because of how shitty the locals have been treated. Yeah. So, I guess we got to think outside of the the Toronto box. Yeah, for sure. Okay. All right. So. So uh, there's some more booing that took place tonight on the pitch, and that was uh, with the Kansas City striker. Yeah, young Mr. Bunbury. What's his history? He's got, Just give his, it to his, us because I didn't know. His history is his father was a, was a really good Canadian international yeah. through the 90s. He was a great, he was a great attacker, and he, he did well. In, he played in Portugal. It was, was a pretty big name there through that decade that didn't have too much going on really in terms of results. <laughs> But um, and then he also made a commitment to playing for Toronto or for Canada. For Canada, I mean, he he played for our our youth program. He was in Canada's youth program. I think it was U seventeen and U twenties. Um, and then of course when he he went through Akron, uh, the Akron Zips got drafted to Kansas City, and then the sort of questions started coming out that oh, he could play for the states. And of course, as a Canadian international supporter, you have you're super defensive or hyper uh, hyper aware about players who have dual nationality. Because you know any other chance, there's a chance that, that they might go, go. Any other, any other country that has any chance of making the World Cup, it's going to be tough for them to to pick Canada over them. And you know he was asked point blank if I think it was on it's called football and and probably other ones too. You know about the hit where his allegiance is lying. He was pretty much came out and said straight up. He's like it would be. I think the the quote that they were holding on the two stick at the beginning was like. Um, it would be it would feel wrong or it would be wrong for me to play for anyone other than Canada or something like that. So he was like he's straight up on record saying, you know, he's gonna play for Canada. And uh really soon after that, like within a month, I think it was, he got called up by the States and accepted and played for them. Yeah. 
so he's not going to play for Canada. It's just this, and rightly bizarre so, bizarre slap in the face. He got rude reception today. He got a he got one in in Vancouver as well. Good. Yeah, so it's going to follow him around. It probably will. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot. You know, Owen Hargraves. I'm sure if he ever set foot on a, on a, on a oh, yeah. football pitch in Canada, wouldn't be greeted by a, a warm round of applause. No. And neither would uh, Asmir Begovic. You know, those are a couple pretty big names that had they played for Canada, um, our national team would be in a much better position. Um, they would have been, you know, well, Hargraves is physically pretty much done. But, you know, you look at Begovic, he was a pretty solid goalie. And Bunbury probably would have had death through our attack. Or we've all, Canada always is having trouble scoring goals. So it would have been good to have that option. So what are you going to do? All right. Well, that, that, I don't know. We, I think, uh, I mean, because that was one of the stories coming out of this. And I think in some ways uh, a 0-0 draw seems like nothing to talk about. But there's quite a few things that I think came out of today's game, even though I was gonna say, lack, uh, there was a lackluster uh you know, performance by the team. The we, we those talk, are the stories as we saw. There was a game. What was it? Two Wednesdays ago. That wasn't even a real game, and we managed to talk about it for half an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but you know, I think uh, part part of the interest is these like underlying stories that are coming out. You know, with Adrian Kahn and all this stuff, and the back line that continues to disintegrate, and all you know, all this other stuff. Yeah, There's, it's an ongoing, multiple ongoing stories with this team. Uh, they still keep us interested, even though they're crap. The saga continues. So, regardless of uh, results or how good or bad they are. Yeah. So, I guess uh, coming up, we're playing on the road next week. Yeah, it's LA Galaxy on the road. And then we have Seattle at home on the 18th. That was when I was flipping through my tickets. That's the next one. But Canada plays on Tuesday. Yeah. We're in the Gold Cup. So, that's, that's something Degu- to watch. Which is why the Guzman That is out. something to watch. Yeah. Because I was at the Ecuador, Ecuador game and. It's it's you were alone it's, in the crowd. It's mind blowing how twenty thousand like people from Toronto come out to watch this, but they won't come out and watch Canada. And the football is, you know, twenty five times better. Yeah, you're seeing you're seeing players in red that are are far and above better than our best player. You know, De Rosario plays was starting for Canada this week, and he was you know middle of the pack. Of the of the, the mm. skill for Canada on that team, so yeah, it's weird. Hopefully, something will will start getting built at least with games in Toronto that people start showing because the support was really good. Like in the South End, they kind of had three sections down there, and that was probably like we've talked that one of the best atmospheres ever at BMO was that Montagua game. Yeah, and yeah. Um, that was more like throughout the stadium, but in terms of just like pure like flag waving and like. Um, cohesive singing and unified singing that was that that Canada game was actually the best mm. there's ever been there in terms of just like wow if they could get that spread out throughout the entire south end it'd be bananas and they could totally capitalize on what you know MLC has ruined I feel at BMO Field in terms of like the atmosphere yeah it could be recreated and and taken for Canada yeah I think people want a team to cheer for Canada, man. That's right. Josh Simpson, Ativa Hutchinson, you know, Simeon Jackson, um, and, and Milan Boyan. That's an amazing story. These are like exciting players to get up for and to come out and watch. So it's that's Tuesday. Stuff. Yeah, Tuesday they're playing US in, in Detroit. Oh, wow. It's going to be a good game. Wow. So, anyways, there's my little, uh, Something to look forward little to. My, my little pitch. CSA can, I'll send them an invoice. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, well, but we'll be back on the 18th after. Yeah. Eastside Stand Up is the only TFC specific podcast breaking down the game, the home game at least, right after it happens. We want you to get involved. So if you're watching the game at home or even through the week, come up with something, email us at haveyoursay at rednationonline.ca and help direct the discussion. Get your opinion across of what happened on the pitch today.